This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Reed Redmond. I'm Spencer Brudig. I'm Will Johnson. This show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles. On this week's episode of True Crime Chronicles, we travel down to Jacksonville, Florida. It's July 10th, 1998, and Shannara Mobley has just given birth to a beautiful baby girl. Her daughter, Kamaya, is just eight hours old, and both of them are recovering in their hospital room. Shannara holds her baby, her very first child, amazed at her. After a few minutes, a nurse walks into the room and begins to converse with Shannara. She tells her that it's time for her to get some rest, and that she would be taking her daughter for further testing. She scoops the baby out of Shannara's arms and walks out of the room. But it soon becomes clear that something is wrong. No one can find baby Kamaya, and no one can locate the nurse that took her out of her mother's arms. Soon, a full-scale hospital search is underway, and then a citywide search, leaving a panicked Shannara begging for the safe return of her daughter. Whoever has my baby, I know the whereabouts of my baby, will you please, I'm begging you, please bring me my baby, please. Investigators pull up the security feeds from throughout the hospital. They find images of the woman, who they realized was only dressed like a nurse. She had been walking around all day conversing with patients before choosing baby Kamaya as a kidnapping target. Quinnell Henderson was at the hospital that day, meeting her baby granddaughter for the first time. She remembers seeing something odd. She finally arrived, and so we were just so excited about seeing her. I went upstairs to see her. She was a tiny little thing. She only weighed like two pounds. And as I was coming downstairs on the elevator, there was this female, there was this black female um, that you guys are showing the picture of and everything like that. There was, she was pushing a laundry cart. She came by me very, very fast, pushing the laundry cart. Soon, the hospital is completely locked down. Everyone is searching for Kamaya. They were, you know, stopping everybody and, you know, checking um, bags and, and things like that. I seen police officers everywhere in every exit. We were scared. We were very concerned, you know, to know that um, something of this magnitude had happened. We just felt, you know, sadness for that family that that baby had been taken. Police at first wonder if the woman is a part of Shannara's family, but that theory is soon proven to be untrue. Shannara and Kamaya's father, Craig Aiken, were also looked at with suspicion by police, which was the beginning of a long and troubling history of suspicion and community harassment. They even got messages saying that it was known they sold baby Kamaya. This would eventually lead Shannara down a path filled with moments of deep despair, depression, and self-medication. The investigation hinges on a question. Who is the woman in the nurse's outfit? Investigators were really only certain that the perpetrator was a woman in her mid to late 30s. They had security camera images, but the woman was wearing a wig and false glasses. Add her disguise with late 90s grainy security footage, and they are unable to get a clear image of her. The story makes national headlines. Everyone is on the lookout for Kamaya. Just eight hours after she was born, Kamaya Mobley, taken. And police follow thousands of leads that come in. You could not turn anywhere 
in the city of Jacksonville or surrounding areas during this time that her picture was not on, that her name was not mentioned. You, you see somebody pushing a baby in a stroller, you would stop and look to see if it resembled Kamaya's composite. It was just automatic. That's how to the forefront it was back in 1998 that everybody was looking for that baby. It's hard to overstate just how all-consuming this case was. Police detectives chased more than 2,000 leads. They traveled as far as Nova Scotia and Puerto Rico. Now, most of those involved have long since retired, but Kamaya Mobley is a name they will never forget. But after months of searching, the lead investigators start to fear the worst. To be honest with you, after we had pursued those all those tips and leads, the thought of her not being alive would kind of come to the forefront, that maybe someone had killed her and buried her, um, disposed of the body or something like that, where we would never know what happened to her. The family is devastated. Years pass. Every July 10th that comes, Shannara holds a family birthday for her stolen daughter, but happy birthday is never sung. There are no signs of their daughter, but she is never, ever far from their mind. 16 years later, Alexis Kelly Manigo is a thriving teenager who lives with her mother in South Carolina. It's, it's just so much of stuff that I can, can't really name. She was, she was everything that a mother would want in a daughter. She would come over here and she would sit on the porch and she would knock on the door. She'd be like, hey, Miss Keisha, because she, she said miss. She had manners. Alexis's mother is named Gloria Williams. She's a single mother who had battled her way out of an abusive relationship and was raising her daughter as best as she could. But Gloria has a secret. One day in 2015, Alexis comes home. She's 16, looking for a job, and asks her mother for her social security number. Gloria asks her to sit down and confesses to her that she is not her biological daughter and doesn't have that information. According to Alexis, Gloria broke down, saying there is more to the story and even offers to turn herself in. At 16 years old, with her whole world and identity turned upside down, Alexis accepts her mother's story and for 18 months buries her newly discovered secret deep down. That is, until the police arrive. In January of 2017, Gloria gets a call from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which had a court order for her to take DNA tests. Apparently, several tips had come in identifying her as Kamaya's kidnapper from all those years ago. The results come back. Alexis Manigo is in fact not Alexis at all. She is Kamaya Mobley, and the mother she has known for all of these years is arrested and charged with kidnapping. It's one of the biggest stories across the nation tonight. A baby stolen 18 years ago is found alive. Today, the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office arrested 51-year-old Gloria Williams in Walterboro, South Carolina, about four hours north here of Jacksonville. Well, tonight, all of that is changing. Her biological family is overwhelmed. Kamaya is going to be returned to her family. As you can imagine, this situation is difficult for everyone involved. For Kamaya, she is meeting her original family, who are essentially strangers in the beginning. For her birth family, they are meeting the person that they have thought about every day for 18 years, knowing little about who she is as a person now. Here is Kamaya's father, Craig, on those early days. Well, the situation is getting better. 
We are a happy, but not a full family. But me and Kamaya, we are evolving. She is evolving with her sisters and, you know, and she's spending a lot of time here in Jacksonville with me. And um, the decision that I'm making is not to hurt anyone else, is is not to help nobody but me. You know, um, I'm just looking for answers as a father, you know, cause she might've was kidnapped from me uh, for 18 years. I have to take care of her and understand her for the rest of her life now that she's back. For Kamaya's mother, Shannara, the joys of her daughter's return also come with memories of traumas of the past and new pressures and difficulties placed on the family she has built in the decades after Kamaya's kidnapping. It's no winning situation. I don't have a relationship with my child. Right now, speaking as a woman, so I still lost, so what did I gain? Nothing. And honestly, I wish sometimes she would have never came back. That I do wish, because it takes a toll, because I'm a mother first. And it takes a toll on my other children. My daughter's going to the 10th grade. Well, she has to argue with people to defend her mother. She's on Facebook defending. My kids, my other babies, they are babies. They shouldn't have to go out in that world and experience that stuff. That shouldn't have to be that life. And this is what Gloria and Kamaya brought upon my children. As those relationships begin to form, everyone has to also deal with the physical and emotional strains of a kidnapping trial. Almost two decades after Gloria Williams walked out of the hospital with baby Kamaya in her arms, she walks into a Jacksonville courthouse facing a charge of kidnapping, which carries with it the possibility of 22 years behind bars. Kamaya is torn between two mothers, an all-new loving and large family, and national media attention. She has already announced that she wants leniency for Gloria. Here is Kamaya Mobley in her own words. You know, of course, I'm not going to say, you know, throw her in jail and throw away the key or, you know, throw her into jail. Like, of course, I don't want to see so many years, but I understand a crime was done, you know. So I understand some punishment has to be rendered. Kamaya's birth mother, Shanara, details in her impact statement what Gloria put her through for all of these years. Everything about her is me. Everything. Everything. You're talking personality-wise. Everything about her is me. She looked at me. She was like, we was in a... We was out to eat, and she kept looking at me. She was like, Mom, that's where I get all that hair from. I'm like, yeah, your mama. The, her tone and her voice is me. Okay. Her walk, everything, just me. Okay. It doesn't heal now. I'm still hurting. When you just, you, you reaching out to my child, that is my child. I am your mother, Kamaya. I am your mother. Do you recommend the maximum sentence that the court can give? Oh, of course. Okay. Because I need her away from my child. I wish she could do a no contact order too. Because if I got, if I, if me and my child relationship could get along, I need her away, a far away where she cannot contact my baby. Well, my baby can't even get to her. Kamaya's birth father, Craig Aiken, was deeply hurt, but is now focused on getting to know his returned daughter. Well, after watching Kamaya grow up to be the young lady that she is today, it made me more curious of the baby she used to be. So we had been talking for the last couple of days of some of the things that she was went through when she was a child and when she was with the kidnapper and everything. Um, so it just made me more curious. And I felt like at this point in our life, you know, in our relationship, this is the last bridge for me to cross. 
you know, to get the answers of her being a baby. Craig took the chance to talk with Gloria to learn more about Kamaya. I feel like it's going to take a lot of pressure off of me of wondering what she went through. And I feel like she's the only person that will be able to answer these questions that I would have about Kamaya as a child. You know, um, I've been thinking about doing it for a while, but I just had to get ready to do it, prepare myself. And um, after talking with her and hearing some of the things she went through, it made me more curious. And I feel like it's just gonna, it's gonna, it's the end game. It's the, it's the last bridge I had across for me and Kamaya. We have came so far and I believe this is the last step of it. It's just, I can rest after this. I have to have, I'm not so much looking for a reason why she did it. I'm only trying to get information about Kamaya. I'm only trying to learn more about her. And at the same time, uh, I feel like she need to know what I've been through. I feel like she need to understand why she was having fun with my daughter or raising my daughter. Some of the things that I was going through around that time. And then, like I say, all my kids got something about them. And, you know, um, I wouldn't say bad, but I just want to know how was it raising my hyper happy child knowing it was not your baby? You know, basically little questions like that, you know, um, it's just questions that I've been holding in for years that I think she the only one can answer. Gloria gives her own testimony apologetic for the crime she committed, but she also wanted to be known why she did it. Did you ultimately get off of an exit on 95? Yes. Do you know where that was? Here in Jacksonville. (laughs) What was your intent at that time? It was definitely not to take a baby. Maybe this baby can help Charles. You see, Gloria had been in an abusive relationship with her then-boyfriend at the time, who had recently gotten custody of their two boys. She had also miscarried her third child the week before the kidnapping. I thought it would bring peace to the family. It didn't. When she returned to her home state of South Carolina with kidnapped Kamaya in her arms, she told her family that the child was hers, and they believed her. And why shouldn't they? She had been pregnant and had told no one about the miscarriage. Gloria is eventually sentenced to 18 years in prison. The defendant is adjudicated guilty of kidnapping the first-degree felony under Florida law, punishable by life. The sentence is she will serve 18 years in the Florida State Prison. She is awarded credit for time served, which is 511 days. On count two, the defendant is adjudicated guilty of the third-degree felony of interference with custody. The sentence is that event will serve five years in the Florida State Prison with 511 days of credit. Kamaya visits her several times a year. I'll probably see her soon, probably my next visit maybe, or yeah. yeah. I talk to her almost like every two days, so. Oh, on the phone? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she's staying strong? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What's she saying to encourage you? She just, like, she's still, oh, God, she's still a mother behind bars. She's still, like, stay, oh, she stays on me hard. Like, hey, what you doing? You got this yet? You, what you doing? What college you going to? Like, I get, what college are you going to, like, probably every time we talk? Kamaya, now in her late teens, is building relationships with all of her new family members. 
I don't know. I was I, I was nervous at first. I was like, you know, what if they don't like me? You know, what we be feeling like? But all it is is love. Like all we got is love, literally. For her family, they are so thankful to have her back after decades of wondering what happened to our daughter. Here is Kamaya's grandmother speaking about her return. I tell you, ain't nothing like today. Y'all tell everybody that Friday the 13th is not always a bad day. See, I just really want to know how she was doing. And we seen her. I, we seen her today. I'm so out of breath. I'm so... She said, told, told her mama that she looked like her daddy and all that. We've been talking real. She sounds so intelligent, so respectful. And she said she'll be here to see us. But I thank God today. I thank God today. I thank God today. Oh, yes. While there is strain between Kamaya and Shannara, Kamaya says they are working on their relationship. Craig hopes it can be mended and they can all move forward together. Watching my daughter evolve. Like, we have conquered everything we have did when we came back together, you know? And, and just, just watching her grow and being around her just makes me want to know more. Like, it makes me want to do more. It makes me try to, like, try to fix what was broken. And maybe if I learn this, I can fix it between her mother and, and, and Kamaya. For Kamaya, she's focused on the now. She wants to go to college, and while the road ahead is difficult, she's filled with hope for the future. I just think things are going to get better. I always believe that. I just think it's always a, a rainbow on the other side. <laughs> it don't make no sense to cry. What I've been through is hard, but not hard enough for me to, you know, be sad all the rest of my days. And what I'm, my future is only going to get better. That's all. That's it. Hey, True Crime Chronicles listeners. This is Spencer Brudig. I'm here with Reed Redman and Will Johnson. Uh, guys, crazy story. Um, I, I want to first kind of just add a little bit didn't make the cut for the episode about hospital security and how it has ramped up. There was actually an interview with a uh, with the hospital director who was talking about how they have implemented matching wristbands and they have a new checkout system. You know, whenever a baby is being moved between rooms, like from the parents' room to the nursery, uh, they have to make a note of that so that there's a much bigger paper trail and people know exactly where you know, each baby is at any given time. So I don't think this is a, this doesn't happen all the time, but they definitely have ramped up security at that hospital. And I think a lot of other hospitals around the country have followed suit with their uh, security heightening because of a situation like this. Spencer, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the reunion. If this were, you know, a, a movie or something, that might be the end of the story, be this big happy moment where the child is reunited with their birth family. But because this is real life, it's it's a lot rockier, right? You can see that just in, you know, Kamaya's relationship with her birth mother, uh, that I think everyone was joyous, of course. I mean, that their child has returned back to the birth family, but at the same time, it brings a lot of pain, a lot of strain, and, and, and it brings up a lot of trauma that uh, the family has been dealing with for, you know, almost two decades. And then, of course, you have Kamaya, whose world is completely turned upside down. She's probably expected to leave her friend group that she's built in South Carolina. I mean, she was in high school, and she's being returned back to her birth family. So lots of real-life familial difficulties. It's not just a, she's back, we can move on with our lives, but, you know, it, it it's a process. And, and I think that they are still... Uh, processing 
this today. Now, I do know that there was a social media post that happened this year where Kamaya had posted essentially saying that she and her mother butt heads a lot, but it's because they're so similar in personality and even in voice. I mean, you can hear each other's voices, uh, where exactly Kamaya gets her voice from. And, uh, I, I, but that's great. That's a great thing to see. I'm glad that, uh, that they are working on their relationship and that they're, they're moving forward together seemingly. Yeah. I was just looking that up actually, Spencer, the, the social media, the Facebook post, basically she, she put that on and she said at the end, but she's so perfect to me. So you know, people who are following this story and would like to have, for what it's worth, a, a happy ending uh, for Kamaya and her biological mother. Folks were happy about yeah. that. Yeah, and I think that, you know, Kamaya still does have a relationship with Gloria, her, for all intents and purposes, kidnapper, right? And and so she still sees her as a major mother figure, and and uh, she does, you know, talk with her often. Yeah, I mean, I think, I uh, I feel like anybody could somehow, you know— extrapolate, put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's raised by someone for all those years. And you can understand that connection that would just be really hard to all of a sudden just cut off. And then actually send, you know, not that she sent her mother to prison. In fact, she didn't. She didn't report on it, but then see her go off for, for you know, 18 years. Well, she didn't report on it. And remember, she asked the court for leniency. Right. She knew that, you know, that she was had to be punished in some way, shape, or form. But she had said, you know, I don't want to see my my mother uh, locked up for an extended extended period of time. And you think for, for all of us looking at this from the outside, we see this as her living under a false identity all those years. For her, that was just her identity. She was this this other person. She was, you know, she didn't have any memories of this other family. What were you able to learn about how Kamaya goes about sort of balancing these two different identities now that she knows the truth? That's a gr- I mean, it's a, it's a really good point. And I think it's an important point is that she kind of bounces back and forth between Alexis when she still visits South Carolina and the community that she had grown up in. And so people will call her on the street by her name, uh, Lexi Alexis. And then, of course, her new family and the world, because of this national attention, knows her as Kamaya. So she's also recognized as Kamaya. So I think that she has said that she answers to both names, but it's very confusing sometimes of where am I and, and what context you know, am, I, am, am I responding to? All right, Spencer. Well, thanks for bringing us the story this week. If people want to talk about this case or others that we cover here on True Crime Chronicles, you can, of course, go to our Facebook group where you will find what, Spencer? Uh, You'll find 5,500 like-minded true crime fans that are uh, ready and willing to discuss this case and others like it. And, Reed, uh, people can check us out on our new-ish podcast, The Daily Crime, right? Yeah. On uh, today's episode over on The Daily Crime, I spoke with a reporter in St. Louis about a nonprofit that's working to reduce recidivism rates. And we have a new episode every single day. So there'll be four more episodes over there this week on The Daily Crime. Every day of the work week, right, Reed? Every day of the work week. Monday through Friday. All right, thanks, Reed. Thanks, Spencer. We will be back next week with a new case and a new story.